All right. So, we've been in this series about the survival manual for tough times. And Randy's been some over uh, the last two messages is hope is an anchor. We look back at that. Hope is, an, is, is our anchor. Jesus is our hope. He's our anchor. He holds our whole world together. We can hang, we can bet the farm on him. We can hang our life on him. It's not like, well, I hope he's good. It's like, no, he is my hope. He's everything. He's everything I'm, I'm crafted and formed around. He's my hope. He's my anchor. He's got me. He's got you. All right? And then we talked about prayer is a lifeline. God hears our prayers. He hears our prayers. And he loves to hear our voices. He loves to hear our prayers. Uh, Randy talked about praying without ceasing. And it's not like you better like never stop. It's God loves to hear our voice. That's why. It's not a, it's not a demand and a checklist that we have to, to cross out. It's because he wants to hear our voice. He wants to even hear our sighs, our groans. He wants to be with us. He wants us to know that he hears us and that he delights in it. And then he's chosen to partner his sovereign will with our prayers. He answers our prayers according to his will. He doesn't just say pray and just kind of pray so I can hear you. He's partnered his will and accomplishing his will with our prayers. And that's an amazing thing. That's an awesome thing. So today, we're going to talk about how praise and worship is our weapon. And we're in tough times. We're still in tough times. Two Sundays ago, we were in tough times. Last Sunday, we were in tough times. So we're in tough times. And we're in a battle, because I'm talking about how praise and worship is a weapon, right? So I've got a, like, we got a weapon. Why do we have a weapon? Because we're in a battle. You're in a battle. I'm in a battle. And do you, I mean, whether we realize it or not, we're in a battle, because you're alive. If you're alive right now, you're in a battle. You're still alive. Thank God, you're still alive. But Satan hates us, and he's our enemy. So he wants to separate us from God. He wants to destroy everything God has created us for, every good thing, every good and perfect gift. Uh, James says every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. Every good and perfect gift that, that God wants to give us and every de the destiny God has in our life, Satan wants to destroy it. Satan wants to separate us and snuff us out. 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9 says, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. Oh, it's up there. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that you, your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. So Satan is looking for an opportunity to devour us, to snuff us out, to take us out. And you should also know that you're not alone because it's happening all over the world. Anyone who's a believer in Christ is, is being stalked by the enemy to be taken out. So you're not alone. We're all going through it together. We're in a battle. We're all God's children. Uh, Ephesians 6.11 says, Put on all of the God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. So we're at war. We're in a battle. It's a spiritual battle. And it's actually more intense than any battle that could happen here on this earth. Satan's made war against God's authority and rule in heaven and on earth. So that's, that's, the, that's the, uh, the foundation of this war, 
is that Satan rebelled against God and said, no, I want to be worshipped. You're not the only one who's worthy. And he wants to destroy us because we're a part of showing that God is worthy, that he is worthy to be praised, that he is righteous, that there is no one better, there's no one greater than him. So our lives is a part of, it's a part of that war, it's part of that battle. But here's the kicker. We already have victory in Jesus we are alive because of him. We're alive in him. If we have given our lives to Christ, we've already won. He's given us the victory because we put it, our hope in him for salvation. Um, so, Satan's already lost. He's lost. We've won. The only thing he has, the only tool he has is lies to try to convince us that we haven't won, that we're not worthy, that God isn't who he says he is, that we haven't already won through Jesus. We're winners, and Satan's a loser. He's a loser. Satan's a loser. So the battle that we're fighting in, the, the battle that we walk out every day, because God's already won the victory. He has the victory. But the battle that we fight is to continue to believe God's truth, to believe all that he is, all that he has done, and to testify that only he is worthy. That's the battle. In every area, every sector of our life, is to say that he is worthy, that he is he is the only one. He's high above everything. So, the thing is, this is a hard battle. This is hard. It's a hard battle. Because Satan is a really good liar. He's the father of lies. He's been doing it for years. That's his thing. He is a deceiver, and he's really good at it. I mean, how many of us have, have fallen? We've, we've fallen into sin again as, as we've walked with Christ. You know, we've, we've given into those lies. We've let ourselves be deceived. And you know what his, his tool then is like, see? You know, you're not saved. You're no different than, than you were before. And that's a lie. Because it's not about me. It's not about my failures and my sin. I've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. I can claim his grace over my life. So it's not over even when I fall. Ha, you still lose. You still lose, Satan. So, but that, that's the battle that we're always having is what is the truth? How do we believe the truth? How do we continue to believe the truth and that we've already, already won? So, we have mighty weapons. God's equipped us with mighty weapons. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 4. says, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. How many of you know that our human reasoning is way different than God's reasoning? I mean, you can just open up a school textbook and see that. Um, God's truth is his mighty weapon to take down the strongholds in our society and our human thinking that keep us from believing the truth of who he is. And he gives us mighty, that is his mighty weapon to destroy those arguments that set themselves up against the truth of God, that God is worthy, that he loves us, there is no one greater, there is no one higher, and he loves us, and he's always faithful, he always has us. So, let's look, because Paul in Ephesians 6, he kind of, he paints a picture for us. What are our weapons? So, he talks about putting on the full armor of God. He says, put on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, um, the helmet of salvation, the sandals of the peace of the gospel. And then, he says, well, basically, 
all that is God's truth, being, being clothed, being decked out in God's truth, being strapped up with the truth of God. I'm righteous because Jesus, I wear Jesus' righteousness. I'm saved. Nothing can undo his salvation for me. I walk in the, the peace of his good news. I'm strapped up with the truth of God and his promises that he will never leave me nor forsake me, that he's good, he's mighty, he's bigger than everything. It's being strapped up with the truth is what Paul's talking about in Ephesians. But what is the weapon? Paul finishes up and he says, take up the sword. In Ephesians 6.17 he says, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So, really, you know, this, this is titled, Praise and Worship is Our Weapon. Well, the real weapon is the truth of God. It's the sword of the Spirit. But praise and worship is us picking up that sword and wielding it. What deals the deadly blow? God's truth. But we have, we have to pick it up and wield it. We've got to swing it. And really, a lot of times, it's just us picking it up and holding it. And it's doing the work. So when we think of praise and worship, a lot of times we think of the music portion of our church service or praise and worship music, right? And that's, that's exactly what it is. It's songs that we sing based on God's truth. It's based on his word and scripture. It's, a, it's based on who God is and what he's done. And there's power in it because we're operating in his truth. That's why praise and worship music is so powerful because we're, we're repeating, we're reflecting on God's truth and who he is. We're praising him for, for his goodness. And what that is is we're, we're, wielding, we're wielding the sword of the spirit. We're, we're wielding his truth, saying, yes, Lord, you are good. You're bigger than this situation. You're bigger than the way I feel right now. We're exercising our faith about the truth of God when we praise him. But it's not just limited to music or this segment of our service, right? We can do it in other ways and at other times. So I just kind of want to look at praise and what it means and kind of get more in-depth definition of it. Praise. And this is from one of the dictionaries. It's the act of expressing approval or admiration. It's the offering of grateful homage. It's to glorify, which then glorify means to treat as being more splendid and excellent than any other thing. To exalt, exalt means to raise in rank. To celebrate the character of someone, to praise someone is to celebrate their character. And then worship, worship is more of an intimate term. It's to lovingly respect. You know, when we, when we have, we think of like praise and worship. Praise is kind of like the upbeat, like battle songs. Yes, Lord, you are good all the time, all the time you are good. And worship is, Lord, I love you. I don't want to be anywhere else but in your presence right now. There is no one who loves me the way that you do. Worship is to willfully bow down and to submit. It's to glory in the presence of God. Lord, there's no place I'd rather be than right here with you. So when we do this amazing thing that we get to do, praise and worship, our enemy is obliterated. It's just strongholds are broken. The things that kind of hold on to you, you get to break free of. 
because we're focused on our God. So we're going to look at an example in the Bible. King Jehoshaphat, a sweet name, fat name with PH. Some of you are too young to know what that means. But he was a king of Judah and a descendant of David. And at this time, the nation of Israel was split up into two kingdoms. And this, is, this whole story, if you want to read it, it's in 2 Chronicles 20. Um, so the nation of Israel is split into two nations, Israel and Judah. And Judah's kind of the smaller of the two. And so the Bible says that Jehoshaphat was a righteous king. He had a heart for God. God's favor was on him, and God was with him. And this was a time where there were not a lot of good kings in either Judah or Israel. There wasn't uh, much desire for God in the land and the nation of Israel. Uh, people had set up idols. They'd adopted the idols of uh, foreign nations around them. They'd forgotten the teachings of the scripture. They'd pretty much walked away from God and turned their backs on God. Um, so he, Jehoshaphat, he was unique for his time. And he chose a hard path for his time, too. How many of you in here know that living for the Lord right now is a hard path? It's a hard path to take. Back then, and even now, there's, there wasn't many people living for God. God is not, uh, and God's not popular a lot because he requires that we be free of sin. And in our culture now, Really, to truly believe and be a Christian and a follower of God, it's not that popular when you get to the nitty-gritty of what that means. But here, even the idea of God being one God wasn't really popular. We had, there's Baals, uh, Asherah poles, there, was, uh, there were um, like, like sex worship idols and all kinds of stuff going on. And Jehoshaphat had a heart for God and a heart to turn Israel and really his nation of Judah back to the Lord. So um, he sets out, he, de he destroys idols, he goes around, knocks down the temples, then he sends out priests to uh, start teaching God's word to the people to try to bring them back to God. So Jehoshaphat, he's a great guy, he's a good guy. He's doing the king thing the way God wants him to. So God's favor is upon him. And so this happens. After this the armies of the Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the Munites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They are already at Hazan Tamar. This was another name for Engedi. Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. So, Jehoshaphat, he's... He's living for the Lord. He's making some headway in his nation. He's turning the hearts of the people back to God. And what does he get? He gets war declared on him. And he was terrified. So that tells me that this is an army so vast that they're like, we're doomed. We're doomed, God. We're doomed unless you do something. Lord, I mean, I think in my position, because this is me, I'd be like, Lord, I'm trying to undo years of wickedness. And this is, you're going to let this happen to me? This is how you repay me, God? <laughs> uh, an army that's said that they were dedicated to destroying the nation of Judah? Um, 
So Jehoshaphat's, we're doomed, God, unless you do something. I mean, does that sound familiar to you? You start making headway in your life. You start living for the Lord. You give a, a part of your life over to God, finally. And then you get hit with something disastrous. Something just comes out of nowhere and blindsides you. It's because we're in a battle. It's because the enemy wants to destroy you. It's because you're becoming a threat. How many of you have uh, seen videos of uh, street fights? The guys are all in a circle, and there's usually two guys in the middle duking it out. Well, the moment you step into that circle, you're a threat. Welcome to the fight. Expect to get hit. And that's what happens when we follow God. That's what, we ha what happens when we live for the Lord. We're stepping into the ring. We've become a threat. And what you should know is that even, even if you don't believe in God today, even if you haven't given your life over to Jesus, you are still in the midst of the battle because the enemy's working you. And he's trying to keep you from seeing the truth of God's love for you. So you may think you're a bystander, but really you're being worked over. So that's something to know. But once we give our life to God and we start to move in our calling and our destiny, we become a major threat to the enemy. And he's got a target on our backs. So that's why this happened. You think that uh, this coalition of armies would have even messed with Judah if Jehoshaphat was just like his grandfathers and the, the nations around him? No, wouldn't have happened. But he became a threat. So, Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah fast and pray. And God sends his word through one of the prophets. He says, Listen, all you people of Judah and Jer Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. You'll find them coming up to the ascent of Ziz. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. So go out, stand still. Great plan. Well, in that moment, they're like, woohoo! They worshiped. They said, yes, God spoke to us. I mean, when you get a word from God, it's exciting. You're just like, yes, this prayer thing worked. He is listening. He spoke to me. That's great. They worship. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah. But when the morning comes and it's time to do what God tells you to do, it feels a little different. So, I mean, I, you know, they're, they're worshiping. They're like, yes, Lord, thank you for answering our prayers. Thank you for speaking to us. And then the next morning comes, early in the morning. And you can imagine, like, is this really going to work? Is this really? That's our plan. We're going to go stand out there. We're going to stand in the salvation. And they're just, okay, God. I really hope you know what you're doing, Jehoshaphat. Um, I can just imagine how they felt. So here they go. It's like, all right, here we do. We're going to do this. Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, listen to me. All you people of Judah and Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. So I think he was feeling the vibe of that morning. And he said, you know what, I need to encourage them again. 
Because, I mean, if he had me in his arm, I'd be like, man, this is a bad idea. What are we doing? And I'm sure Jehoshaphat felt that. So after consulting with the people, the king appointed singers to walk in ahead of the army. I got a good idea. Let's put the worship team out front. Maybe they weren't the best worship team, you know? It's like, you know, whatever. Uh, hey, if this goes south, put them far enough ahead so we can see. And then we can, you know, it's kind of like the bear joke. You know, how, what do we do if a bear shows up? Well, I don't have to outrun him. I just have to outrun you. So maybe that was, no. They did this as an act of faith. They, they actually did this as an act of faith. So the singers walked ahead of the army. They started singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. And at the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting amongst themselves. And they, they eventually destroy themselves. There is such confusion in their camps. They just completely obliterate each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of them had escaped. Judah's enemies were obliterated by standing and praising God and believing him for who he is. And what are they saying? God is mighty, he's faithful, and he loves us forever. God loves us forever. They're just singing that. God, he's faithful, and he loves us. His, his love endures forever. And guess what? God showed up. So what happened there? We'll kind of break it down. Praise transformed the people of Judah first. What is praise? Praise is declaring God's truth, declaring and singing his praises and, and saying, Lord, I believe this. God, I'm, you are good regardless of how I feel right now. Sometimes we start praising and declaring his praises before we really fully believe that. And that's okay. Sometimes that's what we got to do. I don't know if those singers really were like, this is going to work. This is going to work. No, they were like, oh, Lord. Oh, you're so good. You're so good. I'm trying to just think about how good you are and not how this vast army is just standing in front of me. Why did Jehoshaphat send us out here in front of the army? I thought I, I, thought I was one of the good worship leaders. Um, so sometimes we start praising through our situation. It's like, hey, I don't feel like praising right now. I don't feel like God's got my back. I don't feel it, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to declare it over myself. I'm going to declare it to God. I'm, I'm going to sing it to God until I believe it. I'm going to sing it to myself until I believe it. And that's how praise and worship works. That's why it's a mighty weapon. It's God's truth over and over, declaring it, believing in it, standing in it, regardless of how you feel or I feel. <clears throat> Sometimes I get to church, and I don't feel like praising. Just getting to church on time is such a... I mean, my kids don't know how close they are from dying <laughs> some days. And I just, I'm not feeling it. But I get here around the people of God and I hear the words and I'm reminded of the truth that God, God loves me even though I'm about to lose it on my kids. He loves me. He delights in me. He's a good God. He's mighty. He's bigger than my deficits as a father. So 
what it does when we, when we pray is the Holy Spirit starts working inside of our hearts. It's what he's promised to do with his word. He says his word does not go out void, and that his word is alive and living. And when we sing his word over us, the Holy Spirit starts to work in our hearts and, and emboldened us. It gives us confidence. It starts reminding us of how God is good and all the ways that he has been faithful in our life. It opens up our hearts to the truth of his word. So what, what that does a lot of times and what it did in this situation is it reframed the battle. These singers are like, I'm not sure this is going to work. And as they began to praise, the Holy Spirit started to work in their hearts. And they got to the point where it's like, no, you guys are defeated. God's love endures forever. They got confidence. And when you stop focusing on the failures and the setbacks and the odds against you or how bad a situation feels or how embattled or discouraged you are, and you start focusing on the mighty God who loves you, who's bigger than anything that could ever come against you, the, the word says, uh, nothing can separate me from the love of God. When we start to think about that and stand in those promises and sing them over ourselves, it transforms our mind and it reframes the battle. It reframes to the point, it's like, hey, we can't lose. We've already won. Our God is with us. Who can be against us? You know, a lot of times I, I think about the Reckless Love of God song. Uh, the favorite line I have is, God is for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. And a lot of times I'll just yell that over myself, um, not even during like worship, sometimes during prayer, just you know, in traffic. <laughs> it's like, God is for me, not against me. I am who I say I am. And that's praise. That's praising him. That's standing in his truth. God, your word is true. I am who you say I am. You're for me because you said it. You don't lie. Everything you say is true. My God is faithful. He loves me forever. There's no one who loves me like him. There's no one who loves me the way that he does. And that's good, and we can stand in that, and we can say that and declare that over ourselves, even if we don't feel it at that moment. Praise and worship transforms the situation and the battle because then God shows up. Because praise is obedience to his word over our feelings. Praise is an act of obedience. It's an act of faith, but it's an act of obedience. It's saying, Lord, I submit to your truth over my feelings. I submit to your truth over how impossible the situation seems. I submit to your truth over the way that I feel about myself. I submit to your truth, and I praise you, and you are good. And God shows up. And it's crazy the way that God is, and that he's, he's the almighty God. He could be a dictator if he wanted to. He could make us do exactly what he wants us to do, but he doesn't. He responds to our willing submission. He has unmatched power, but he's chosen not to force himself on us. He's chosen to wait and to partner with our willing submission to him. Sometimes we hold God back, believe it or not, because we've not made him the king of our situation. We hold his victory back because we haven't made him king. We haven't made him the highest. We're worried about the situation. We're worried about the odds against us. When we praise him and worship him, we put him in the right priority. We put him in the right place. We exalt him. We raise his rank. God, you are above this. You have the victory. You are good. You love me. And God shows up. God responds to our obedience and our willing submission. Psalms 22.3 says, Yet you are holy. You are enthroned on the praises of Israel. 
He's enthroned on our praises. Our praises enthrone him. They raise him to the rank of king and lord over every situation in our life. That's what praising does. So, just tell you a little story about me and how this changed my life. It continues to change my life. What am I saying? Gateway Conference in 2019. So, we went with the staff, and I think Lauren had just kind of started back working here at LCC. And, uh, you know, we had just kind of come back from being away for a while. And we'd been walking through a really hard three, really six years of thing after thing. Um, <clears throat> we'd gone to California to help a church plant. We were trying to be obedient to God. We felt like we were called to go. And we sold everything we had. We were like, you know, we had people saying, you're crazy. Uh, don't do this. You can do God's will here. But we we're like, no, we feel like God's called us to go here. And it didn't work out. And we stayed until we ran out of money. And a year later, we came back to Texas. So, you know, we kind of just felt like failed, all right? Uh, we moved to Austin. We found a church community that we love, we were excited about. They were a church plant, too. We were like, okay, God, maybe this is why, you know, this is happening. Two months into it, they closed their doors. They just disbanded. We're like, oh, okay. And then after Etta was born, we moved back to Dallas. We came back to LCC, and there was some hard things going on here. They are in the middle of transitions. Uh, it was just a hard time for the church here. Also, our daughter Etta was struggling. Uh, we didn't know what was up, and eventually she was diagnosed with being on the autism spectrum. So that was another blow. After that, <laughs> we felt that God was asking us to open up our hearts to adopt a little girl in our community. And we walked through that. We walked through the adoption um, process. She was born. We had her in our home. And then everything fell through. And so now we don't have this little girl in our life. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, we've kind of been beat up. Uh, every time, kind of feeling like, well, Lord, we thought we were doing what you wanted us to do. And maybe we don't hear you. Maybe we don't, <laughs> maybe we don't know what you sound like. Um, so we have this gaping hole in our hearts, and we just kind of were like, well, maybe it's time for us to try to get pregnant again. Well, then we couldn't get pregnant. And it was just thing after thing. So we show up to Gateway Conference, uh, just beat up. Um, you know, and I, I kind of just felt like, man, we really haven't succeeded at anything ministry-wise. And here are all these successful pastors, and cool. You know, what am I doing here? I don't even know if I care about this crap anymore. But, uh, you know, the music was great. You know, because they got an awesome worship team. They were not the kind of worship team you put in front of the army, I guess. Uh, but I began to sing, and I began to hear other people singing God's, about God's goodness and his praises. And the words got to me. The Holy Spirit started working in me. And it was a, this corporate worship environment of people just praising God. And, you know, honestly, it, sometimes it begins in me as like... <laughs> You haven't been through what I've been through. I'd be praising like that if I hadn't, if, if, uh, I hadn't been through what I've been through. And then eventually, you start thinking about, like, Lord, yes, you have been faithful. You are my deliverer. You are my redeemer. You do have me. You have blessed me. And before I knew it, I was just going for it in worship. And I look over, and so was Lauren. And I don't know about you guys who were married and were walking with the Lord. When you look over and see your wife worshiping, it's like, 
whoa. And it just emboldens you to go all out in worship because it's like, you know what? Yes, she's focused on the right thing. I need to, I need to get there too. Like, I want to praise him. So the heaviness just broke over us. It just broke. This heaviness we've been carrying of failure and just, ugh. And like, why do we even want to be part of churches? Honestly, why do we keep, we just keep getting beat up. Why do we want to know what God wants us to do? Because when we set out to do it, we always fail. But that heaviness broke over us. There was a stronghold of failure and doubt over our lives. We doubted God's goodness because of what we thought the way things should have gone. And it's just been hanging over us. And it just followed us. And that night I felt confident that God was calling us into ministry. And then two weeks later we found out we were pregnant with Elias. God did something that night. God did something in our hearts and a stronghold, a spiritual stronghold broke over us. And God healed our wounds. And that's what praise does. Because even when we don't feel like it, even when we're beat up, we just come in the shape that we're in and stand on his promises. And God moves because it's obedience and it's willful submission to his will, to his truth, that his truth matters more than anything that's ever happened to me. So, that's why you should come here and praise. That's why you should be loud and praise God. Because God wants to use your praise as a weapon in someone else's life to break a stronghold over them. You can encourage people by praising and worshiping God here in this place and being around other people of God. In Ephesians 5.18, Paul says, Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. How many of you know that? I do. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul says that and encourages us to do that. Sing psalms, praise together. Sing songs and spiritual songs to one another because it'll change. It'll change things. It'll break strongholds off of you and me. We get to stand together in God's truth. So as a community of followers, we're charged with praising God together and testifying together about who he is. So praise is a mighty weapon that we wield as Christians, right? It's a mighty weapon. It's the action of wielding the truth of God. It's like the martial arts of, you know, like the truth is a weapon, and to get more skillful at using that weapon, we've got to do it. We've got to praise. We've got to study God's word. So, the, tr- the worship, it transforms us as we actively do it. It reframes the battle. And it enthrones God over the battle. It makes him king of the battle. And how do we become more skilled at wielding this mighty weapon? We study and meditate on God's word. We learn his promises so we can stand on them. You've got to give yourself ammo. You've got to give yourself that strength, you gotta, you got to have that, that cache of uh, that Rolodex of promises to go off of. Listen to praise and worship. Worship privately. Yell at yourself in the car. I am who you say I am, God. You're for me, not against me. Do it to praise and worship. Because those songs are based off of scriptures and the truth of God's word. And then gather with the church and worship with the church. Come to church. Come to church and worship with us. Worship with other people. God may be wanting 
to break strongholds here by your praise and worship, by standing in the truth together. So, I'm out of time. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, read this psalm as a form of praise, and then we'll be dismissed. I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress. He's my savior. He's my God. He's my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield. He's the power that saves me. He is my place of safety. I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise, and he saved me from my enemies. God, we thank you for who you are, Lord. You are our rock. You are a place of shelter and safety. God, there's people in this, this room right now that are embattled. They're under a situation, Lord. I just ask that you would show them that they're over it according to your truth, God, that you are over it, that you are the king of that situation, Lord. And I pray that they would put you in that place so they could see your victory. Lord, let us not hold you back from victory in our lives. But, Lord, let us yield and submit to you and obey you and stand in your truth, Jesus. We love you, Lord. And we just declare that we are who you say we are. We are your children. We are loved, greatly loved by you. There is no one who loves us the way you are. You love us. You are our strength and our shield, and we thank you. And I just ask that you would be with us this week and that you would embolden us, and you give us confidence in your word and your truth, that we would wield this mighty weapon of praise and worship, of standing in your truth, declaring your truth over our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys have a great week.